Hey everyone, this is Jake. Before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to make a couple announcements. First, I'm so sorry that we missed our upload for last week. Uh, it was something we really tried to avoid, uh, but I was on vacation. We tried to schedule the interview you will hear in this episode, and a couple of times the scheduling didn't quite work out, and I just wasn't able to get it fully edited uh, before leaving for the trip last week. And then that coincided with the incredibly exciting news of Dan uh, and his wife welcoming the newest knight into the sanctimonious universe. We're beyond thrilled for them. Clearly, uh, Dan needed a little bit of time as well. Uh, So with this episode, we'll be right back to our regular recording schedule of weekly releases. Uh, Thanks so much for understanding. So in this episode, you will hear my interview with Alex Slotnick who attended the Gen Con Vault Tour and was one of, if not the only player, to top 16 both the Archon event and the Sealed event. It's a really great interview, uh, mainly because Alex is incredibly well-spoken and knowledgeable about the game, and, and there's just tons of great insight that I hope you guys take away from this episode. So without further ado, please enjoy this week's episode of Sanctimonious and my interview with Alex Slotnick. Greetings, Archons. Welcome to Sanctimonious, a Keyforge podcast where two zealous Keyforge players discuss various topics regarding combat within the Crucible. Stand at attention and salute your hosts, Sir Jake and Sir Dan. Welcome back to Sanctimonious. This is Jake, and this is a little bit of a different episode today. Uh, For the first time ever, I am not joined by... My loyal co-host, Dan, who has just welcomed uh, his baby son into the world. So uh, we're ecstatic and and so happy for him and his family. Uh, But he could not be here today. Uh, So instead, I am joined by Alex Slotnick, who I'm so excited to have on the show. Alex, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing really good. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm also known as uh, AKA the Nick of Slot. Yeah, so if you've listened to this podcast before we've talked about alex quite a bit uh whether it is in his uh accomplishment in making the top cut of the gen con vault tour and sealed which we talked about uh a little bit prematurely last episode since uh he also managed to top eight or sorry to make the top cut and, and eventually top eight the archon vault tour as well that same weekend so and then we've also talked about him just kicking our butts regularly on uh, the Crucible, whether it's in Adaptive League or just in for fun training games. So I think Alex is going to have a lot of really great insight to bring to this episode. And I hope you guys are excited to learn a lot from a really skilled player. So the main topic today is actually going to be Alex's Gen Con experience. So I'm hoping that he'll be able to walk us through uh, what that was like for him and perhaps even give us some insights into how we can all improve uh, and and get to that top level of play. Does that sound good to you, Alex? Yeah, that sounds great. I'm uh, excited to talk about it. It was a a great experience. Um, Some really... I would say, um, based on what I, I have seen of the other vault tours, I ha- didn't actually get to attend any of them, but 
Um, based on what I've seen, I think that this is one of the most competitive vault tours that there has been uh, to date, um, just in terms of the play level, the people there, the decks that were brought for Archon, um, and even, I mean, some of the decks that were open for Sealed were actually pretty insane. So uh, a really, really fun event. I'm excited to dig in. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And I guess before we jump into that main topic, I just want to say uh, Alex is graciously recording this from his Airbnb. I'm actually not at my regular recording location either. So if the audio quality isn't up to our normal standards, I apologize for that. Uh, but we're we're gonna do our best, and yeah, we're just really grateful and appreciative for Alex to give us a bit of his time and share his insights. Let's let's talk first about your experience in Sealed and sort of how that went, and then we'll jump into Archon next. Yeah, definitely. Um, so for Sealed. I played the pilot who holds wrongdoing. Um, I had a choice between that deck and uh, three others. So we were doing uh, sealed, but you uh, get to pick out of three decks. Um, and you have to choose one and play for the entire vault tour. So um, I actually had a pretty tough choice. Um, I had a choice of a deck with Triple Drummer Knot Ganger Chieftain, um, wow. which seemed pretty tantalizing, um, right? Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I think especially in Sealed, that's devastating combo. Yes, um, and I mean, there's, you know, there's always, I think with that kind of choice, there's always a little part of you that's like, has the like, what what would have, how would have it have gone if I had chosen the other one? Um, the major problem with that deck was it just didn't have the, well, it didn't have the amber control that I was hoping for. And it had a pretty um, not stellar Mars. It had triple carpet floxum, uh, which is the Mars action where you gain an amber. And if you have no creatures on board, you can uh, deal four damage to everything. Um, and three of that card is just not really what I'm looking for yeah. in field. It's just way too hard to set up. So I went with um, the uh, pilot who holds wrongdoing. So what's funny to me about Pilot Who Holds Wrongdoing is I think it was the, as I, after the fact, I looked up all the SAS stats, AERC and all that. Um, and uh, Pilot Who Holds Wrongdoing had the, it did have the best AERC with a 50, um, but the other two had the higher SASs. Um, uh, Pilot is a 71 SAS um, and a 50 AERC. Um, it did have a 6.5 in Amber Control, so I didn't know that at the time. I'm doing, you know, because I'm, of course, doing all my calculations mentally. Right. Um, but what I did see was it had two things in particular that were really interesting to me. It had a little NIF, um, and it had a Resonator. Um, it also had a Gorm of Alm and uh, Destroy Them All for Artifact Control, um, as well as uh, Shadows with Double Lights Out. The, the Sanctum had a, a legacy bulwark, uh, which I was like, that's just very fitting, you know, with, with me hanging out with you guys all the time on Sanctimonious <laughs> Discord. I was like, I got to rep the, the the legacy bulwark, right? Yeah, and this, I mean, that's pretty good with the Resonator. That's a pretty nice synergy right there. 
Yeah, and that's, I mean, that that's exactly the what I saw, Jake. If I saw, hey, this deck has a Dominator, it's got Lion Botrum, it's got um, uh, the bet, the Bulwark, it's just got some tools to stick these guys, these, these tiny guys, Resonator and Little Nip, stick them behind them, and hopefully you can protect them enough that that just outvalues your opponent. And uh, so jumping kind of into the rounds after picking it, the other the other deck was like pretty forgettable, to be honest. Sure. I don't even really remember very much about it. It was just like, it was always kind of between these two for me. That's kind of nice, I think, in a way. It's like, sure, you'd like in the abstract, you want three good playable decks, but like just for the sheer like mental you know just for your own sanity sometimes it's kind of nice just to have two to pick between or even just one is kind of nice it's just like well you know i know i didn't make the wrong decision in that case yeah and that's i mean i was kind of hoping to open two mediocre decks and one good deck but what i opened was like all i would say that all the decks that i opened were fairly mediocre in my opinion like i wasn't really super jazzed about any of them um, the one that I chose just had the best, I think, even even though the SAS doesn't support this, I feel like had the best overall cards, um, especially for AOA. Lights Out is uh, against creature heavy decks is just amazing. Yeah, I think that like people are rightfully dubious of the SAS scores for AOA decks specifically right now, as things are still getting settled. So at least me personally, like, I, I care much more about the AERC. So I think to me that like the fact that the one you picked had the strongest that validates it, at least in some ways, as being the right choice. Yeah, and I think so. I think uh I think Lady Caffeina uh from the Discord actually posted the uh ranky stat, which I had not looked at, and it was like a, a thirty-eight ranky. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh before we jump right into the rounds. I understand there was like a delay at the start of the day. So I was just curious, was that all time you could have been like considering your deck choice or did you, had you already decided and then there was a delay? So, uh, yes. Uh, and I'm not, I mean, I don't, to, to be honest, I, I basically decided, I didn't know exactly when they'd call time. So I had decided and like, you had to write down your deck names on a little slip of paper and I had written down my deck names already, but as it turned out, yeah, we waited probably, uh, it was pretty unfortunate we waited um i think the, the the day was supposed to start at 10 a.m and i think we started at like 12 45 or something like that um which like so that first game that like your nerves are just like building that whole time you're kind of like okay like let's 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 get in there let's launch some games so what i did um to kind of hey keep my mind busy but actually get some practice is i was sitting around some sanctimonious guys and we honestly started jamming some games with our sealed decks um, to get a little bit of, to just like kind of get the jitters out and also just get a little bit of experience ahead of time with the deck. Um, and I mean, what else are you going to do for two and a half hours, really, that just actually like might as well just get some Keyforge in and uh, kind of get to know your deck a little bit? Yeah, that's that's wild. So it's because in, in the Origins Vault Tour, which I played it in the same format, Sealed, so we had 15 minutes. So like, the difference between 15 minutes is like you actually have to take shortcuts just because like that's not enough time to really do, you know, yeah. like write out every metric you might want about the deck. So I was just, I was just curious if that yeah, sort of played fun. into the, uh, I guess, the day for you. And it sounds like not really because you already had it settled. Down. Yeah, I basically locked mine in just because I, I, I was trying to like honestly follow the spirit of what we were supposed to be doing as much as possible. 
Um, even though I, I don't know if other people, I, like after the two and a half hours, I was like, I mean, I guess I could have just jammed games with all of my decks and then decided right, yeah. if I had not pre-written. But uh, I still feel like, I still feel like even without that, I made the right choice um, based on like, and, and honestly, just trying to have, have integrity really of like, yeah, I could do that, but would I really feel good about my i feel good about my wins especially because i followed the i followed the spirit of really what we were trying to do even though the uh the format ended up being or the you know the wait time allowed for you to do maybe some some other shenanigans yeah okay cool uh all right so let's get into some games i don't know uh so all right so you have two and a half hour delay <laughs> and then you finally sit down yeah. for round one the nerves are going uh and how'd that round go uh first round went really well i mean that was like the the first round was like my immediate um uh kind of confirmation that i did that i had made the right deck choice um and i will say like i i apologize to all of my opponents i don't remember many of your names i was i had intended to take notes um but didn't do that um <laughs> but uh my first round opponent what I remember of the game is basically I stuck a dominator with a resonator next to him fairly early and they just did not have the tools, uh, tools to deal with that. And I, I will, I will say that that was basically the story of day one with my games, um, like games, uh, one through three, all, all had the exact same thing happen. I stuck a bulwark next to a lion bottom, next to a dominator, next to a resonator. and they just didn't have board clears and they had direct damage stuff but man that bulwark was doing work all day protecting resonator protecting little niff um little niff in little niff in game two and three i'm pretty sure stole um something like six to eight amber wow. with like you know obviously the creatures attacking next to him um so he was just doing uh, i mean that that made me respect little niff um in a deck that can protect him more um, I kind of wasn't of that high of an opinion of Littleness until this tournament where I was like, man, it's really good in situations like that where you can just stick them behind something big and if they can't deal with it, it just is a huge problem for them. I was going to say the same thing. Like That's a card I haven't been high on at all, but it's, that's also one of the great things about uh, Keyforge is that you know all every card is going to be situational based on what it's surrounded with. So I think it really... You know, I don't know, to be able to see a card that you are low on and be able to identify that even though generally it's not the best card, it's strong in that particular set of circumstances with the Bulwark, with the Dominator. I, I mean, I think that is like a really important skill to have in Sealed because, you know, a lot of people might just snap pick the Drummer Knots, for instance. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, when, I showed, when I showed people my deck list, a lot of people gravitated toward the Drummer Knot, the Drummer Knot combo. But for me, I... I I always, when I'm evaluating, especially in a sealed environment, I want consistency. Um, consistency is going to be the thing that, like, because to make it to day two, you need two things. You need to be a good player, but you also need luck. And the more that I can, the more that I can just say, okay, I'm not going to have a bad draw with this deck, the better off I am. And the better my, the more I increase my chances. To making it the day two best of one's a pretty brutal uh, format where you don't have a lot of room for error yeah 
Okay, so uh, smooth sailing through round one, two, and three, or, or were any of those like really close games? No, all games one through three, I forged three keys to one. My opponents were wow. never really in it. All of them forged one key off resonator for 10, and then just <laughs> couldn't ever really come back from that. I mean, that's so, that's such a brutal tempo loss that your deck oh, yeah. have to be pretty fast. None of, the, none of them had fast Ember generation either. Um, so game four was where it got real sticky for me because um, I played a guy, I do remember his name, his name was Leo, and he, was a, he, he did actually make it to day two. Um, and his deck was um, a really fast, um, just had a ton of raw Amber. I mean, he maybe, so he generated three keys worth of Amber, essentially 18 Amber, off of mostly playing actions. Um, like he reaped maybe for maybe somewhere, I would say between three and four Amber. And like, I just, my deck could just not, did not have the tools to deal with that, that kind of really quick Amber generation. I, I thought that I might staunch the bleeding at one point in the game because I did manage to stick a resonator on the board with, I think, um, I don't even think he had any protection, but he didn't have any creature. The, uh, Leo had no creatures on the board. So I was like, okay, I might be okay here. And then he neutron sharks my entire board. He kills like Oof. five. He kills like five things with neutron shark. And I was like, well, <laughs> that's game. Wow. So all right. So you did end up lo- falling in that round. Yeah. So that was my that was my one loss. Oh, day so now one. the pressure is really on, right? Because no more room for error. Yes. Yes. And that was like as soon I had. Both day, you know, for day one, I was really hoping to get the 6-0 just for, or even just the 5-0 and then play into my last match so I didn't have to, like, feel stressed about it, um, which didn't happen either day, to spoil Yeah, no such but, luck. Yeah, but um, I, you know, I took a moment, to be, to be real, I took a moment after the game and I just said, okay, ultimately, I'm just going to play the best that I can play. I didn't make any mistakes in that game. That was just, like, it just, his deck did something really good. It did exactly probably what he chose it for. Um, and he made really solid decisions. And he, because con- like the thing that he did well was he was constantly choosing to pressure me and not worry about, I don't have board. I don't, these creatures are there, yada, yada, yada. Like he just kept playing actions, kept generating Amber. Um, the tempo just really went in his favor. Um, and so he ended up taking that match. I think I forged only one key in that game. Um, I just couldn't seem to, to manage to generate any Amber that game. Right. So, uh, that took me into my game five and my game six. Um, game six was, uh, game five was not that very, not very memorable. It went basically the way that games, um, one through three had gone where I just stuck again, resonator. Um, next to Bulwarks and uh, I think a Lion Mothram, and he just never could really forge and or deal with Resonator. Um, and he had like a, I remember in that game in particular, he had a bunch of like damage, but damage doesn't do anything against Bulwark. You know, it's just like it, it just keeps knocking off armor and not right. really accomplishing anything. Um, game six was game six was against Little Z. Um, so I have to say, I actually played him twice. Um, I think once in a side event and once uh, uh, once in day one. And he's just a super smart player, um, 
really uh, under, I mean, I'm just so impressive um, for his age to understand the game the way that he does to, um, to see kind of, I, I think he took some really uh, good lines in our game. Um, but again, I think his deck ultimately suffered. But the problem that a lot of the decks that I played against uh, did with my deck is I was creature heavy. And if you didn't have a board, if you didn't have a board wipe, I was, I just would take it really easily just because I'm just going to, you know, like vomit out a bunch of dudes on the board and just reap it out until I win. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, okay. So what's that feeling like? I mean, for those of us who have not reached the pinnacle of making that cut, are you feeling like relief or just excitement or? Yeah. I mean, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a lot of excitement about that. So my, my goal um, coming into the event um, was to make day two. That was basically, I was like, I know I'm a good player. I know that I'm smart and I know that I'm capable, you know, I understand the game at least on some passing level. Um, so I, uh, <laughs> I think you're selling yourself a little bit yeah, short there, yeah. but yeah. I just, I just try to, I try to take, um, and I think this is honestly, this is a good, a good thing for anybody. It's just like, I try to take real, I try to set realistic goals, like achievable goals. Because if you can set it, if you can set an achievable goal and you meet it, you just feel good. And everything after that fact just feels better. Um, you're like, whatever happens. And that's kind of how I felt going into day two. I'm like, you know what? This was really, this was really a competitive event. Um, I am a smart player, but I, I have the, I try to have the humility to recognize, man, there's a lot of smart players out there. There's a lot of guys who really get this game, um, who, um, so I, I felt mostly, I felt really privileged, um, to have the opportunity to play against some really brilliant people. And honestly, to get into day two, I was just completely jazzed, um, and, uh, excited just for the next day. And I, I had, honestly, I had trouble sleeping because I was just like pumped to play in day two, but, uh, and, and this is like really a loaded field, right? You've got all team reap out, all team SAS. Oh yeah. And I mean, they're all there. And a lot of them, you know, aren't making it in. So, I mean, I think for anybody to make it, it's a huge accomplishment. And then, of course, like, it doesn't just come down, like you've already acknowledged, right? It's not just about you being the smartest person in the room. Like, there's there's luck. It's a card game. And I, I think that's, like, what you did after that loss is, like, such an important lesson for a lot of players. Just sort of, like, to take a breath and, like, acknowledge that, like, it's fine, to lose right like yeah and and what i what i i mean what i do when i lose too is i i i really try to evaluate the game and just say were there did i make the right decisions at the right time because that's like i can't change how the cards came down but what i can do is um try to elevate my decision making right um i have to i have to know in the game did i make decisions that were questionable or i could have done differently that might have changed the outcome of the game and in the case of the game with Leo, there was like that. Just there were no, I didn't make any dis, I didn't make any bad decisions. Um, I kept a good hand at the beginning. I didn't mulligan, you know, something away that was good. And um, I I always played the amber control that I had, but I didn't draw littleness in that game. Um, I only I did draw resonator, but I drew him too late to really make a difference. Um, and so. That's kind of, but that's my takeaway um, from was for that takeaway from that game. It's like ultimately that one just came down to matchup and variant. 
All right, so you get to the icing here on the cake, so to speak, and you make day two. And how'd that, how'd that go for you? Uh, day, two went, uh, day two was a lot more, like, it was even, even as competitive as day one. We got to the really, because you know, at the stage, if you get to day two, all the decks have won. They've been piloted really well. People have been making great decisions. So I get into uh, the... We skip, we get into, oh yeah, we get into the top 32 game. Um, and uh, again, I'm, I apologize to my opponent. I don't remember your name, but I, he, I did actually play him uh, on stream. And um, really, er, that game was super, I mean, I, I rewatched it, to be honest with you. And I just realized, man, I high rolled this guy so hard because here's what happened. I go turn one, I have a bunch of shadow stuff, including Merkins. So I Merkin's top card off of his deck um, to play a uh, Knuckles Bolton. Um, so I Knuckles Bolton, I, I play a Subtle Mall. I get out Knuckles Bolton. I think that turn I also get out Little Miss. And it just really snowballed on him. I have this really dominating board state very early um, where I just keep going shadows. I think I called, it was only probably like a seven or eight turn game. And I kept, I, shot, I called shadows at least 50% of that. I called it shadows at least four turns, maybe five. I subtle mauled a miasma out of his hand. And uh, early on, I, this was clutch, I subtle mauled sucker punch out of his hand, which wow. would have dealt with little nip. And yeah. uh, it, it just really turned, uh, turned on him. And then I eventually, I just stuck all my Mars guys out. I stuck a bunch of my... Um, I stuck a bunch of my art, my bulwark and Avon, the armor Smith out. And, um, I, uh, he made a small mistake, um, which was, uh, I think probably pretty impactful for him and that he forgot about the armor of Avon, the armor Smith. Oh and yeah. Tried to, suck, tried to sucker punch little Nip with his, um, with a second sucker punch that he had drawn. And, uh, uh I, I actually started to move him off the board and the judge was like, He's not. He's still alive, and I was like, "Oh yeah," because I kind of forgot about it too. Right. Um, that's like one of those things, you know. It's like at that level, that you know, that's just a mistake. And it's an easy one to make, you know. But it's like there's no do-overs at that <laughs> at that point once yep. you're in the top 32 of a vault tour. Yeah. No take. No takesy backsies in uh, in that. And uh, I. So he that game ended up going. All, basically the way all the games that I won did where I forged three keys to his one key. I think he forged into resonator as well. So he did end up forging for 10 as well, um, which brought me into the top 16. Um, top 16, I played against Corey Joyce, who was uh, at that point undefeated. Um, he was 7-0 at the time that we played, I think. Um, and his deck... What uh well basically what uh I mulliganed in our I mulliganed into an okay hand but a not a great one I think I mulliganed into like a two two one split between houses, um his turn one is like or you know going second is like life ward life ward some disaction um, something else. It was disgusting, and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> yeah, that's like one of the things about Keyforge. I think it's so tough sometimes. Is 
so not only is it like best of one right but it's like getting lucky once early in the game like drawing into a string of like four five six of the same cards like me it's gonna set you up to get lucky over and over again because now you know just the averages of the houses left in your deck are so skewed like i don't know that's always like such a sinking feeling for me when somebody drops like six shadows cards early in the game because you know as soon as you deal with that it's going to be six of whatever their next house is yeah and it was i mean it was exactly that of like he life warded me turn two he life warded me turn three um and i even to be honest with you i think i even had like some like fairly optimal turns against life ward where i actually had uh, my deck did not have very many actions but i i fortuitously had some of my actions but my deck needs creatures to generate amber and like even to deal with amber control. And so that was just sort of the nail in the coffin. I don't think it, I don't think I was ever really in that game. Um, this is, I think a thing that I've thought a lot about um, Keyforge as I played the vault tours was temp, how important tempo is to the game. So the tempo loss of getting double life warded was way more, some decks, some decks could actually um, deal with that or could handle it, and they have the ability to come back. But the pilot who holds wrongdoing was not among those decks. It really, those life wards were very, very brutal. And the funny part is I even have, I have artifact control in my deck, specific reason I chose it. But those were, it was turned, you know, the very first turn. I hadn't, I hadn't had time to draw into them yet, so... So I guess your run comes to an end in the top 16. Looking back yeah. on it, do you think that your deck was good enough to win the tournament? Oh, no, I don't really I don't really think so. I, I, I opened the deck. I think it would have required um, me getting very lucky with my matchups. So if I had played somebody other than Corey, I saw some of the other decks that made it, like even the two that made the final, I think, in the final game. And I think that my deck might have had a chance against those decks, but it would have come down to a lot, honestly, card draw probably. Um, I don't think that my deck was the most competitive in the field, but also I think that the decks that made it to the, to the top, to the top table were piloted really well. Like they didn't seem, they were, they were maybe the one, one of the, the decks that ended up winning, I think was actually a better version of my deck. Um, but, uh, ultimately I think skilled play really took those people really far, but I, I think, I think they needed all, they had a power level deck that was good enough for sealed to get to those top tables. And I didn't really, even from the beginning, I, I thought when I first picked my deck, I was like, this deck can make it to day two, but it probably won't make it very far into day two. And that was, that was pretty accurate. Yeah, it's like, it's one of those things, right, where it's where I struggle with the sealed format in general, which I I really like it. Like, I think I prefer sealed, the, especially three decks sealed, to standard Archon, just because it does feel, like, more accessible and, like, more equitable in, 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 in so far as everyone's coming in with a blank slate. Uh, having said that, it's like you have to get so lucky to really get a deck that could win the tournament yeah i mean that's definitely an element of sealed like you have to you not only do you have to high roll matchups have good variance in your card draw but you also have to open something that's competitive enough to make it far in the field um which is where i mean 
deck evaluation is important, but also, I mean, we, uh, there were several people sitting around me at the table who opened three decks with no amber control. Right. And if that happens to you, you're just, you're, you're not going to go far. There's not, no, no amount of good play will negate the fact that your deck just does not have the ability to take anyone off check. And if you just get rushed or you get behind, you have no way to get back in the game. I mean, obviously, I don't want to undersell like the skill needed because there's like a huge element of skill. We, yeah. All the vault tours Definitely. we keep seeing, like the same people doing well, like the team SAS people and the team rebound people seemingly seemingly do well every time. So you know, it's but having said that, it's like a skill meets opportunity. Uh, yeah. Where like to give yourself that chance, you have to show up first of all, and then you have to be good enough to pilot. And to actually pick the best deck out of what you're given, um, but within that, like you still, like you're saying, you still need to have something. And and I think a lot of the best players will always be able to get close or make that cut. But you know, I, I feel like a lot of people going into day two, like I was talking to my uh, friend from St. Louis, John Claude, who's a part of Team Reapout, and he was like, you know, we were, we were talking a little bit about it. And he's just like, well, I feel really happy to day two, and I have. <laughs> but like i know i can't win because my deck's just not good enough to win yeah and that's that's kind of how i felt too is i just knew that my deck was not good enough to make it to the top tables um i i think i think that depending you know matchup depend this is matchup dependent but i think that skilled play will probably always get you to at least day two um you can always there's always like un, un, unluckiness and matchups if you play against other really skilled players early in day one that you might still might still happen that even kind of happened to you jake at origins where you played eventual tournament winner and then i know like another great opponent yeah Cor- and that- number one in the world so those were my two losses yeah. <laughs> like okay yeah. uh, no big deal <laughs> uh, but I, I mean having said that like you know, it's it's one of those, yeah right like you're gonna you, there's luck and unluck and i mean when i think back on my experience like i think that i chose the wrong deck too like having played with them more so like you know i think there's like those two players who beat me probably would have made a better choice than i did in the deck evaluation portion so like you know there's always ways that you could improve uh, I guess outside of the extreme edge cases where if you just open like nothing even remotely playable. And I think, I think that's again, a port- the important thing as a player is to evaluate the decisions you can make, right? You can't choose your variants. You can't choose your luck. You can't choose how the cards come down. What you can do is make better decisions. And even if you lose, know for the next time, Hey, this is where I went wrong. And this is how I get better as a player. Right. Okay, uh, so I do want to talk about Archon, but I have one more question about Sealed. After that experience, this is something I've thought a lot about, just like hypothetically. Would you be in favor of, okay, so you make Top Cut on day two. Like, would you be in favor of, instead of everyone playing that same deck that got them there, they open three new decks and it was like a reset where now you have to evaluate and play something new or like some other measure of like... uh bidding or something to like reset the field um i i i'm definitely in favor personally of a format change of some kind i think the top cut is a little bit brutal for day one i think it's probably too punishing 
Um, I think that you could probably do a true top 32, allow some 42, uh, 4-2 records in. Um, I think that for day two, something needs to change with the format. I think best of one, the whole way to top, you know, basically the top two is extremely, you're just making the whole thing all about variance, right? right. Um, yes, there's skilled play. Yes, um, people, not that, not to downgrade anybody who won or the choices they made clearly, um, uh, is it, uh, Dylan, uh, who is from Reapout? Devin. Uh, Devin, I'm sorry. I've done that like three times. Devin, I apologize, Devin. Um, Devin and uh, Joe Hoover. I mean, they're extremely skilled players, right? Not to downgrade their their ability and what they did in the field. But we all have to acknowledge there's some element of variance in getting through a best of one uh, game game format. I wish they would personally I thought about best of three would be a really I think a really for date all all the way through day two. Or at least like top eight, right? Like as Yeah, a, at least as top a... eight, top sixteen, something like that. Start the I think that they should start a best of three sooner. And I would I would love I mean, honestly, I what you suggested is a is a great idea. I think like just having people pop new decks, um, do the deck evaluation over um again, it shows Hey, these, you know, we're really valuing and we're putting emphasis on skilled play and skilled your ability to to read a deck list and know what's best, what's going to be good and what. And it also kind of, you know, you hear stuff about people's decks and by day two, um, you've lost maybe lost, especially the spicier decks have lost a little bit of their surprise. Right. Um, or even like have been scouted. Especially um, if you play on stream. Which, yeah, yeah. If you get to play somebody. So I, 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 it would give you a fresh ability to have some surprises in your deck and not, not your deck not be such a known quantity. I hope, I hope, I hope FFG will at least consider it because it seems like, you know, at that point, it's almost like, you know, it's it feels more like Archon, right? You're in like now you're in your seventh, eighth, ninth games with this deck. It's like you know, if it's a sealed tournament, like I think maybe really rewarding those skill set. I also think shrinking the field might create like more parity amongst decks because if you got two hundred people, you know, you're opening six hundred decks. There's going to be two or three of them that are bound to be just insane, and you know yes. they're going to be there on day two. So anyway, yes. uh, let's 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 get into to Archon because, uh, well, I guess that went pretty well for you as well. Uh, will you tell us a little bit about your deck that you selected for the Archon yeah. tournament? Absolutely. So um, I was playing um, Senbrow. Um, I'm going to have to look up its full name. I always forget this. Senbrow Rockham Neminus Eminence. Um, this is a Logos Sanctum Shadows deck. Um, I... Prior to the tournament, I had played around 200 games on TCO, um, or very probably more than that, like in including live play and also, uh, you know, uh, uh, tabletop simulator. Um, I've been able to put it up against some AOA decks, put it up against a ton of Coda decks, and it was just. Um, I, I think of uh, Senbrow as a reliable workhorse. It is the, it is not the Ferrari of decks. It is um, more like the mid-sized sedan of decks. <laughs> it, 
it just does exactly it does the same things every game sometimes it has um it has it's it has the ability to high roll um it's got one of the major things uh that senbrow has going for it is it has a reverse time a lot of people I think undervalue reverse time or don't like think with, you know, when library access got nerfed, we're like, oh, reverse time is not worth anything anymore. I will say in my, in, in Senbrow, reverse time is a huge, um, it's a very clutch um, tool in my toolbox um, because of my shadows, which is triple nerve blast, double urchin, uh, bait and switch, double miasma. Um, as well as having in the sanctum, uh, a glorious few virtuous work. Um, I've got Double Bulwark, Jehu the Bureaucrat, a bunch of just Sanctum dudes. Um, Champion Tabris is probably the best of the other Sanctum guys. And then the, the Logos has Double Mother, Double Wild Wormhole, um, Phase Shift, Lab Work, Sloppy Lab Work, and some, some, a couple other things filtered in. But the best move, uh, Senbrow has is to play out a, a devastating Logos hand of like, generating six amber in a turn reverse time do it all again the next turn or do that with the shadows um and uh i as i put as i prepped for archon um i knew that going into it sembrow is a very good deck um it's going to have a bad matchup against things with hysteria or uh nature's call um because the sanctum guys are very slow um, they just don't do anything when you put them out on the board. So if that gets hysteria back into my hand, the tempo loss of uh, of uh, get it having to replay that all can be pretty pretty brutal. Um, and I would call so I, I do I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there. Um, I think of Sembrow not as a racing deck. A lot of people see it and they think, oh, this deck is a racer. Um, because it has a, it has a pretty fair amount of raw amber, not including nerve blast and, uh, bait and switch and urchins. Um, so it's got a high expected amber, which is, I think, the baseline for a competitive deck anyways, right. probably. But I think, I think of Senbrow as, um, a deck type that I'm still fleshing out exactly what this means, but I think of it as a tempo deck. Um, I've played a bit of Hearthstone. And there's a, there's a Hearthstone, um, deck archetype called Midrange. And Midrange, um, it, what it tries to do is finish the game, uh, sooner with, uh, control decks, um, or with, uh, rush decks. It tries to kind of outlast them just long enough to close out the game. Um, so what Senbrow, and Senbrow does that wow. in Keyforge. Senbrow is a deck that is really good against control decks because I have, I'm really fast and I can usually end the game before they can get their artifacts online or their, um, do their brutal arise turn or whatever it is controlly type thing they're trying to do. And I beat rush decks a lot of the time because I have really good shadow steel. Um, I have miasmas, which just, it doesn't matter how much amber you have. You have 50 amber. I don't care. I'm going to miasma you and win the next turn. Um, the worst matchup is a rush deck with, with nature's call and key charge. Um, that's my absolute worst matchup with Senbrow. Um That's so interesting. Uh, I've literally have never heard that kind of mid-range archetype expressed in Keyforge, but that totally makes sense to me. 
And I've also really been struggling with just how I think about archetypes. I, I just like, I personally, this is just me being incredibly pedantic. Uh, actually recorded a one stood against many about this and then cut it out of the podcast last time because it's so pedantic. But I hate the term racing deck in general. It's just like all decks are racing decks because that's the game. I, I, it doesn't, it's not specific enough, right? There's so many things. And I mean, we, it may even be a thing where like racing, te- racing is like a broad overall strategy type, but then there's variations within racing because there's, you know, my Senbrow does not play anything like a three times hunting, which does right. the deck. It just doesn't play like that. Um, it's got Sanctum in it. The Sanctum's kind of slow and makes you, uh, like you have to take a lot of turns where you're, you're thinking about, okay, like, do, I do I actually fight here or do I reap reap for five like the right answer with Senbrow is not always just slam out all the amber I can to finish the game as quickly as possible Um, because if I do that with Senbrow I actually lose I lose tempo and tempo is uh, and I when I'm using the word tempo I mean like um, I'm usually talking about where we are in keys I think of it kind of like a dance Um, with Sembrow, I really want to get to second key first uh, because it allows me to uh, kind of control the flow of Amber and it lo- allows me to control um, when I let my opponent forge a little bit better. Because if I'm on two keys and you're on one, I, the, what the tempo does of that situation is it allows me to say, okay, I can take a turn here playing out my Sanctum guys but that's going to set me up for the win later um, by, hey, my hand is not full of Sanctum guys. Like even when I have the option of maybe I could have gotten, maybe I could have gotten to check a little bit sooner or something. It's like, it's better sometimes, or maybe I could have kept them off second key, but the the way tempo works is I'm going to instead seed the key, play my Sanctum guys, because that's going to, that's what's going to let me win. Wow. In two to three that's days. really cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that's super interesting. I really, you know, again, I don't think people are in general thinking about tempo in Keyforge as much because, and it's because of the, like, there isn't mana cost, right? Which is such an important part of yeah. mid range strategies and other card games. But I do think like there's something there. It's just exciting. Cause I think it just goes to show how much there's still to be like explored and better understood about the Keyforge system in general. But I uh, really appreciate that explanation of the deck. Let's let's go into some of the games. Uh, I'm really curious. Maybe you could just talk through some of like the highlights here, since we're going a little bit long. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so uh, day one was pretty uh, pretty straightforward. Um, I I had a I I got matched up against um, some really smart opponents. Um, Game three was against somebody who had made it to top four in the field. Um, he had a Ether Spider deck uh, with uh, Sanctum actually as well, and uh, I think he had Shadows as well. Um, and so he had a Mar with the Mars. He I just was able to keep ahead of him. Again, talking about tempo, I was able to keep ahead of him in keys and keep my keep the pressure on him. Um, and eventually he even dropped down like an ether spider, which was kind of a problem, but he couldn't, he didn't have the ability or the space to kind of 
protect it maybe as well as he would have liked. And so I was able to, and my deck doesn't really have an answer for removing an ether spider other than fighting. So I was able to just fight into it, um, put him in a position where uh, I went on check um, for third key at nine amber and he just couldn't, he couldn't take me off of it. Um, the, I, I went up to four O and in my five O game, I played Michael Pitt, um, who had a Brobnar shadows, uh, untamed deck. And I was feeling I'm, I'm in that this one was kind of good. It, it's a good, it just kind of shows you how sometimes, uh, variants and, uh, things that are outside of your control happen. Cause I'm feeling pretty good. I think I'm up like one key. Um, he, I don't think he's even, I think he's maybe forged his first, but I have, I'm, a, I'm like way ahead in Amber. I've got four Sanctum guys out on the board. Um, I had perused his list and saw that he has, um, loot, double loot the body's cowards end. Um, and I'm like, and he also has like a Nepenthe seed out. So I'm like, okay, okay. Like if he loot the bodies, Nepenthe seeds, loot the body, cowards end me, he'll get eight. But I had some shadow stuff in my hand. Like that won't be too terrible. Um, so I pass it back to him. I think I'm, uh, either, I think I might have been at check or no, I wasn't quite at check. I think I was at like five amber. And he goes, um, I think he like reaps with one creature, goes cowards in or loot the bodies, loot the bodies, and the pence seed, loot the bodies. Oh man. Cowards in. Um, and I was like, oh no, that's brutal. Um, cause that's like he, I had two amber captured on tavern. So he shot up to like 15 or 16 amber. And I do, I mean, my deck doesn't have too much to protect or anything. So I'm like, I, I, I don't, I don't have anything to do against that. Um, so I get, so I know I have one out, right? I can draw miasma. I've played one miasma and I have one miasma in my deck and I have 14 cards. I have reverse time in hand. And I have 14 cards in my discard pile. Um, however, my, my deck is however many cards are left minus my hand, but it's more than 14. Um, and so I'm like doing the, I'm doing the math in my head and I'm like, well, the, you know, I don't know the exact percentages or something, but clearly 14 is less than however many is left in my deck. So, um, that's the better odds, right? Cause right. I have, I also have double wild wormhole. So I'm like, and I have a lab work and a sloppy lab work. So I'm like, I can totally get rid of my, my hand right now. I can go to check um, for second key. And also, uh, actually, I think that I was able to generate a, a three, basically another two keys worth of amber. I must have, because I was at five. Um, and so I was like, I should be able to get two keys worth of amber this turn, empty my hand, and hopefully draw draw the reverse or draw the miasma um, or play the miasma with my wild wormholes if I'm really lucky. Um, so I do it. I go reverse time. I flip my deck. I go wild wormhole, wild wormhole, play out all the cards in my deck. I don't even remember what cards I played. None of them are miasma. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to draw back up now to six, draw six cards. There's literally three cards left in my deck, right? None of the cards I drew are miasma. And I'm like, uh, it's like it's just like this brutal moment of like he's gonna win because he has he forges first he forges second he forges second key he passes back to me I forge second key I pass back to him he forges third key yeah way to um, play to your outs though <laughs> you know you did all you could yeah 
the uh, I looked back at the the discard pile, and this is like one of those things you can't really punish yourself for. So I, because my deck became my discard pile, and I saw if I had Wild Wormhold before playing Reverse Time, I would have played Phase Shift Miasma, and I was like, <laughs> you can't know that. Like, I mean, it would just been like strictly worse play. Yeah. All right. So you go down. So you're what four and one going into round six. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm four and one going into round six, so I know I have to win it. I get the matchup, and it's Corey Van, uh, Nathan Westlake, um, who's playing Galaxy. And uh, I was like, the number wow, one ranked is, player on the be a key chain or on like whatever the Keyforge site tracker. Yeah, I was like, that's gonna be. I think he's number one in like Voltor Amber Shards too. So like, I was like, this is gonna be. A tough game. Um, I had played his deck the day before in a side event, um, and we were both, he's playing Galaxy, I was playing Senbrow, and Senbrow had won that game. But I was like, I didn't, I was like, you know, I was like, so much, oh, we just played one game, so it's like, who knows, you know, I was like, this is going to be really off up. But you also know you can win, which is nice, right? Because like... Yeah, yeah, I, I know it's possible. <laughs> I mean, if I was playing him, I'm just like assuming he's got, you know, just one of those one of the most broken decks possible and i'd be i'd be afraid (laughs) be honest yeah even even having won a game i was definitely i was definitely uh there was a healthy respect of who he is as a player um he's a super nice guy by the way i will say that nathan is a a great player um very um very gracious uh both as a winner and as a loser i think um so um it was a fun it ended up being a fun game um I think he had some kind of unfortunate draws. He, I remember him discarding uh, uh, effort one effervescent principle fairly early. I managed to kind of just uh, again stay ahead in what I would call tempo of the game. Stay ahead in keys uh, mostly. I got up to two keys first. Um, he goes to check for his second key. Um, I shoot up to basically uh, twelve amber, uh, or I think it was a. L- yeah, it must have been 12 because I sh- or 12 or 13 because I shot up enough and I had done the math that he couldn't principle me off of my last key. And that was really the only answer he had to deal with that much amber. Um, so he did mimicry my asthma me. But um, and I think that he went to check, but I, I had the tools in hand to take him off check. And then he just couldn't couldn't get me off that amber total on the last one. Um, so I went into day went beat that what beat galaxy to make it to day two unfortunately nathan that was uh his uh was his knockout of day one um but it was a super well fought match and um got to got to make it into that that next day that's amazing so taking out number one in the world to make day two so now you've made day two both events now how are you feeling <laughs> Uh, feel, I feel I'm feeling uh, a little bit more worried about day two of the Archon than I was about the sealed, but um, I I just still feel that same thing. I feel privileged to make it to day two. Feel really uh, good about hey, like that's the goal that I set for myself, and uh, I feel like I crushed that goal. Um, and so next time, you know, if I play another Voltour, I'm going to set my sights a little bit higher. But um, for this. This was really my, I haven't played a lot of um, big tournaments competitively before. So this was sort of like my first experience really playing a huge, like a that big of a tournament. Um, so that was kind of, I just felt really, I mean, honestly, just 
completely jazzed to be entering day two. Awesome. All right. So, uh, all right, let's, let's get the rundown on how day two went as well. Yeah. 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 Day six. So top 16, uh, game, uh, I actually got a buy from, uh, my record was good enough, even with five one. And I think there were some drops. So I got a buy the first round in the top 32, um, top 16, my favorite game of the tournament against Cav. Um, he, a uh, former vault tour winner, uh, he was playing a game, uh, he was playing a logos shadows untamed. Uh, we had actually, um, hung out and I played a game with him, uh, a different day against his deck. He had won once and I had won once, uh, in two games. And so I was like, this could go literally either way. Cavs an extremely intelligent player. Um, I think that me and him are really similar in the way that we think about the game. Um, so I was like, but honestly, I was just like having such a blast playing this game with him. It was probably the most fun I had the entire tournament. Um, we get really, really close. Um, he go, I go up to check for second key. Um, he's at one key. Um, he uh, mimicries something out of my deck. I think it was, I think it was virtuous work. I want to say it was like virtuous works. I just remember he he key charged for key two, um, which when that happened, honestly, I was like, thank goodness, like because key charge on key three is like my deck's nightmare, um, because I have no way because I'm so reliant on my asthma. So when he key charges for key two, um, I'm like, okay, we're in this. Like that's probably for me. It felt like that's probably game. And yeah, and it's like thank you for paying one extra amber for that. Yeah, um, and I mean, I would I would have intentionally held him off second key, but I th- and I think that's maybe that's kind of we talked about it afterwards. And what he was saying is what he should have done is instead of key charging mimicry for miasma to to keep me from going to second key first. And I actually think that that I agree with him. I think that that would have been a really devastating move um, and might have changed the tempo of the game. Um, but uh, he ended up doing that. Um, I managed to go to check um off of uh go to check at nine off of a bunch of logo stuff and a phase shift virtuous work um and uh he just couldn't his deck just didn't have anything to take me off of off of nine so i I managed to close out that game um takes me into the top eight game which is the worst game of the tournament for me um both probably in terms of my play to be honest and also um my the variance of my card draw um, I'm playing against Kyle Coons, who's 6-0. He's a really smart player. I actually stayed in a hotel room with him uh, during the event. And a uh, really cool guy, nice, pretty nice guy, um, and smart, very smart player. Um, and uh, he, uh, so I, I'm thinking as I'm going into that matchup, like, oh, he's got Ember Imp. Um, and if he Ember Imps me turn one, I don't want to get stuck against that. So I need to play something out and I have, I'm going, I'm, I'm on the draw. So I'm going first and I have a, a mother, a wild wormhole, three sanctum cards and uh speed sigil, bad penny. And I'm like, this hand is pretty garbage. It's got mother, but I mean, I, uh, I just didn't think that it had the tool. I was like, I need to go. I, I was like, he's a, he's playing an arise deck with a pretty brutal this sweep. And I'm like, I want to beat him before he can he can jam out the arise, um, just because like if he jams out arise, my deck just 
doesn't doesn't have a board clear or something. So I'm gonna have to spend a bunch of time fighting his creatures or something like. And I was like hoping to draw by mulliganing to draw into a sanctum sweep. Um, but instead, what I draw into is, and in most cases, this I what I'll say about the hand I draw into would be good. But in in the case of his deck, which is a low amber generation deck, it's pretty. This was pretty terrible. I drew a uh, bait and switch, nerve blast, nerve blast, uh, urchin, and uh, uh, I think some other shadows card. I'm not remembering no, because it was no, it's four. Yeah, it was four shadows card. I had a bulwark and something else, and I was like, <laughs> uh oh. Um, so I think my turn one's like bulwark. I draw staunch knight on the draw. He plays like a couple this things. Um, generates one amber and I have this decision where I'm like do I pitch all the shadows in my hand or do I slow play and try to get you know kind of play my play out all my shadow steel and I decide I and I don't know if this is wrong or not to be honest with you I decide to slow play it because I'm like you know what I'll probably play shadows I'll draw into hopefully draw into some logos um to kind of start accelerating my game plan a little bit. Um, but instead what happens is I just, my deck just falls apart in this game. Like I I, pl I do slow play. I manage to, I actually do have a cool play where I nerve blast his dust imp to make him go up higher and then bait and switch and steal him back down to like one. Um, but it's just too late. He gets out six of his eight, uh, six of the eight disc creatures in his deck in the first four to five turns, I kill some of them off with Sanctum. He actually gets a rise super early, like turn six or something, arises it all back, and then like proceeds to toxin every Ugh. good card out of my hand. Um, and then I just, to be honest with you, I go full tilt and just like, I get like, I, I wild wormhole into an Ember Imp and like, like do the classic, like, dumb thing where I like I played a card and then a wild wormhole so I couldn't even play out the card from the wild wormhole um oh, I don't I think see, that I that see. would have mattered particularly yeah. but yeah it just like it just was felt it just felt really bad it felt like a very kind of like oh bummer what a yeah. what a way to go that's, um, that's tough but you know ultimately um what I'll say for overall I felt um really happy with my performance um I played uh like i said my retrospective i feel like i did have a game elevation um i know that i'm a better player because i played these events and um especially um i would say um with the atlanta guys um i think that i i learned a lot from playing cav um and just he he's that matchup is one i'm going to be thinking on for a, a while of like it just feels like that elevated my gameplay so much um but Man, feels super great to have made top eight um, in the Archon, top sixteen in the Sealed. Um, I'm I don't know how many people, but I, I from what I understand, there's uh, that's a pretty like not too many uh, people have made the you know top sixteen basically in to do it tours in one weekend. Cool to to, <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah, to do it in one weekend was a really just a, re a really yeah. cool well, feeling for me. Congratulations again! I know me and Dan and everybody on the Discord. It was awesome, like rooting you on and seeing you on stream with the sanctimonious shirt and playmat. It was just like, for me personally, it was just like so cool. So honestly, yeah, just like feel just we feel totally honored and humbled that you would like represent 
kind of this community in doing that. Uh, so thank you for that. And just one more time, congratulations on the amazing performance. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I do. Um, I'm very thankful for uh, the community that you guys have built in the discord and all the sanctimonious guys. It felt like um, it felt cool to go to the event and just feel like, wow, I have like basically like just add water instant friends. Like we have, we just got to make really easy connections. It was so cool to just be able to look across the room and be like, Hey, you're sanctimonious. Like what's up? That's so cool. See, I think we should probably call it there. It looks like we already are at about an hour for this podcast, but I know with the new baby, we might be needing some more fill-in hosts. So I feel like I could talk to you for hours about Keyford strategy. I've got a bunch more questions for you about the Archon. But uh, so hopefully we can get you on again sometime if you'd be willing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm totally down anytime. I, uh, I, I will always talk Keyforge. Um, it is definitely uh, my favorite game. I mean, I can't. I can't think about anything. I think about it and I'm kind of strateg- constantly strategizing, constantly coming up. So I'd love to do that. All right. Well, as a plan then. Uh, so that's it for this week's episode of Sanctimonious. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm, we don't have Dan to say it. So I guess I'll just have to leave you with a much more casual uh, get out there, play some Keyforge and forge, forge those, those keys. keys.